Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Rakeem Brooks. This is a common good that we are talking about. Amani wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. It's NBA playoff season, and I want to give you all an analogy that I think perfectly sums up the Clarence Thomas Harlan Crow situation. I don't know what your teams are. You'll tell me as we go along. But here's the situation. So we're the Knicks, and my opposing team are the Miami Heat. And I discover that the owner of the Miami Heat is really good friends with the refs. He takes them on vacations. He pays for their children's education. In fact, he has even purchased one of the ref's childhood homes, renovated it, and the mom is living there rent free. This feels really uncomfortable to me. And I wish I had known about it before game six, where we were already down three to one. (laughs) That's the situation that I think we face currently with Harlan Crow's various investments in the Supreme Court and Clarence Thomas's refusal to uh, disclose them. Am I blowing this out of proportion? Let's go to Andrew first. (laughs) Well, um, I would say if you found out that the ref was so cozy with the owner and it was a uh, previously undisclosed relationship, I think that you might at least wonder, right? You would wonder. But the question I would have is, but how is the ref calling? Mm-hmm. I want to know is the, you know, when people who are watching the performance, they're watching the games, do they feel like the calls are fair, good, accurate? Do they feel like the ref is catching the right stuff and that he's not being overturned by instant replay or being criticized heavily? I mean, all refs get criticized, but, you know, and of course, you know, if you're a Heat fan and it's not going your way, I forget which way your analogy went. If you're a Knicks fan and it's not going your way, you think every call he makes is corrupt somehow or other. So if you suddenly discovered that the ref you already hated because your team is losing, you know, is friends with a wealthy whatever, I can see it. But the question is just the performance. And when it comes to Thomas, he is a well-established judicial brand to me. And so the question is not, you know, who's he friends with or how much does that person pay for a childhood home, which I agree is hinky sounding for sure. Uh, but are the calls affected? And I don't, I don't see any evidence that the calls are affected. That's, that's where I come down. I, I actually, I agree with you that at first it kind of, like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, and I thought the first round of news here didn't bother me all that much. But the childhood home and the private education, you know, sort of the more that comes out, you start to get things where you start to feel a little bit icky about it. Mm-hmm. But then back to my basic, my square one, which is, do I feel like the calls or the rulings have been changed by this? And I don't. I read these opinions and I don't think that it matters. Yeah. Amani or Jeff? I know none of us are shocked by the idea of a high profile government official having uh, a suspicious relationship with a very wealthy person. Right. I mean, to me, it's like I saw that story come out and I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, and and it's interesting because people the way people are looking at this is through a partisan lens. Like I saw conservative media publish an article making some of the same kind of allegations against Justice Sonia Sotomayor. To me, like if anybody thinks that every single one of these justices doesn't have some type of relationship that might be inappropriate, then I've got some prime oceanfront property to sell you in Idaho on the cheap. To me, the the, the reason they do this stuff is because they get away with it. But also to Andrew's point, you know, can we say that Clarence Thomas would have ruled differently if he had never known Harlan Crow? 
or even with whatever comes out about Sonia Sotomayor, would she have ruled differently if she didn't have these different entanglements? The answer is probably not. Like they, they, they have their ideology. They have the way they interpret the Constitution. They have their legal philosophy and they probably still rule the same same way. However, that doesn't mean that, you know, that they should be having these relationships. Maybe they're breaking rules. I don't know if there any anything illegal happened, but it sounds like some rules were broken. But I mean, I, I'm not shocked by any of this. They're always going to you know, get away I'm, with it because none of us are going to do anything about it. I'm sort of curious why that's the standard. And I'm going to keep my NBA analogy going for a bit, which is there was a ref a few years ago, you probably remember, who got banned from the game because he was gambling on the games. So potentially personally benefiting. There was actually no he, he was refing. He was yeah, games. He was repping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not and, that, and that others were refing. Right. And so um, but there was actually no proof that any of his calls had changed because he was gambling on the game. It's just that he was personally benefiting from the outcomes of the game, some personal knowledge that he had, et cetera, et cetera. I think all of us would say that person shouldn't be repping the game, whether or not any of their judgments changed. And so I'm not quite sure why the question becomes whether or not the judgment was influenced as opposed to whether or not someone did something improper. Mamani? Definitely. I think the ultimate problem here is we have given people too much access to people with power and we are putting no stipulations in place in which they can wield that power and wealth in their relationships. And that's ultimately the problem. We need more regulations on these conversations because now it's protected in the in the Constitution when we talk about, you know, on the political side, not just um, the side with the judges, but even on the political side, they say it's free speech to give all these people your money. We're just talking here. We're just friends chatting. Here's a $40,000 check. Last time I checked, my friends, whenever we talk, they don't slide me no money. I wish. If that were the case, I would be talking a lot more than I already did. So, you should become so, a Supreme Court justice. At this point, I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? So I think ultimately that's really the big problem here is because, yes, like you're saying, Raheem, why even risk it? I don't want somebody that's making these crazy decisions that affect people's lives. First of all, it's already too few, y'all. And second of all, y'all already here for the rest of your life. So those two things are already working against me. Now I got to worry about your rich friend paying for your son's school and buying your house. It's two <laughs> things that are happening now that is making people lose trust in our system as a whole. And ultimately, that's the problem. Like we were saying, if we want this whole democracy thing to last, then we have to fix some of the uh, um, internal flaws that we have in this system. And that's one of them. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, is this OK? Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm in the advocacy space. People should know that I work on this issue. But like so maybe I'm just like, you know, my head's up in the clouds a little bit. But this has struck me as distinctively bad. I'm going to take Jeff's example of Justice Sotomayor and all the justices that write books. They all disclosed that information. This is undisclosed conduct. And it makes it feel like there's a reason that it was undisclosed conduct. Now, to Andrew's point, it's not that we didn't know that Justice Thomas had a relationship with Harlan Crow in the past. We did have some instinct about that going back to 2004 or so. And at that point, that's when he stopped telling us about his relationship with Harlan Crow, which made me more suspicious. But it's, it's just the same as everybody else. One thing about this that I think is interesting is there seem to be such tight rules in some spaces around the justices and then almost no rules at all in the other mm -hmm. spaces like they're not allowed to take speaking fees, mm -hmm. which I mean, I frankly, I think, you know, as a former academic that a speaking fee makes perfect sense for a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you'd have some kind of a standard speaking fee or something like that. But, you know, why they're, they're allowed to take, um, you know, they're allowed to take payment for certain kinds. Like if they teach a class, they're allowed to mm -hmm. take payment for that. 
Yeah, but the professor doesn't make any money, um, you know, but a teaching, uh, but a, but a speaking fee that makes perfect sense to me. And on the other hand, they can't take a, let's say it's a $40,000 speaking fee for a commencement. The kind of thing you would want a Supreme Court justice to speak to your graduating Harvard law class or whatever. On the other hand, he can have the house bought and he can have, you know, like you don't even have to disclose that that's the, not alone ban it. You don't even have to disclose it until they reformed it, you know, a month or two ago or whatever. That inconsistency bothers me. I agree with you about that. The rules are very inconsistent. Yeah, to me, it's like I think people look at it this way. And, you know, I'm not saying this is right, but I mean, going back to the point, if he wouldn't have ruled a different way, if he had never known Harlan Crow, people will say, "Okay, that's kind of hinky. But I mean, it didn't really affect anything. And I'm not saying that we should look at it that way, because, I mean, they, they should even be avoiding the appearance of impropriety. But again, the fact of the matter is that (laughs) they're going to keep doing it. I mean, I'm sure if they really dug into every single Supreme Court justice that's there right now, they're going to find something like this, because sometimes in some cases it may be honest mistakes. I mean, I'll I'll acknowledge that sometimes they might be honest mistakes. But I mean, if they do it on purpose, what's really going to happen? Nothing. Yeah. You know, this may be a little bit inside baseball, but I've been around enough judges and actually you don't tend to find things like this. I mean, they had a big scandal about whether or not people were ruling in cases in which they had stock portfolios and so forth. Right. And, you know, I don't know if you know what's in your stock portfolio. You all might be much richer than I am, but I have no clue. So, you know, I could possibly be conflicted in all sorts of ways I don't understand. But most judges I know, if you invite them to to a political gathering, for, for instance, they won't go. I mean, throughout the system and not because there's a code of ethics in place, just because they're like, that's not my role anymore. I've been given this Article three commission back to Monty's point. I serve for life. There are already all these reasons that people that I can't be held accountable. And so I want to hold myself to a higher standard. And so I don't know this has just struck me as a, a bit odd. But let, let me flip it around. a little. Can I, can I okay, yeah, please? I'll, I'll, I'll grant this much. OK, if you give me uh, Clarence Thomas, OK, and I'd. I like Clarence Thomas. I like what he writes. I like the way he thinks. Of course, I'm glad he's on the court. He rules in ways that I appreciate. Okay. Um, But if you give me Clarence Thomas Alpha, who hangs around with a wealthy super billionaire and gets all of these financial benefits and doesn't disclose it because he's not obligated to. And then you give me, you know, Clarence Thomas Beta, same guy, same judicial philosophy, same set of rulings, but he either discloses everything voluntarily, even though he's not obligated to, or he says, oh, man, you know, if this comes out, it's not really going to look good. I probably should avoid the, I prefer beta. You know, I, I prefer the, the option B uh, on the Supreme court. So there's clearly some kind of accepted pain or loss or cost when we defend what's going on with Clarence Thomas. Cause I think everybody would say better to have, if you got the two refs, even if the calls are good, even if the calls are clean, even if nobody objects, the one who's not hanging out with the owner of the heat. Sure. I'd rather have that guy. It's that much more assurance. It just goes to your integrity about the situation. And as a judge, your integrity is all that you have. When you're making these rulings, it has to come from a place of authenticity. And you really believe in these legal principles. So if you're doing things that kind of fall out of favor, that are a little wonky, that are a little shady, okay, a little weird, then that's going to kind of make people question you as a whole, because as somebody who is conservative and has such a strict legal philosophy for you to be doing stuff sneakily, 
it doesn't balance. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It yeah, you should be going overboard to avoid again, even the appearance yeah. of impropriety. And even if you have to go to extreme measures, I mean, like people made fun of Mike Pence because of his rule with how he handles his marriage and being around other women. And people made fun of him, and to some that might seem extreme. But I mean, he's a public figure. It's pretty smart. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. got to admit that. You're never going to get him caught up in some scandal because your first reaction to, you know, Mike Pence was running around is, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> right, right. But let me let me flip it around. Maybe this is a provocative side of the question is, OK, you're the equivalent of the, the business owner. You're the Harlan Crow figure in this situation. How are you feeling about all this? Let's assume it's all on the up and up, right? You really just did a nice thing for your friend. It was really a down and out kid and you just wanted to help. And like mom's house was falling apart. And you know what? Your friend has chosen to take a life in public service and the cash just ain't flowing the way that he needs for it to in order to be able to take care of mom. How are you feeling about the situation? Are you are you now like, oh, this was a mistake. We ought not to have done this. Are you defending yourself to the bitter end? Where, where do you go? I feel like if it was all on the up and up, it would have just been disclosed and everybody would have been transparent about it anyway. Like we choose our friends. Nobody's forcing friendships on you. You mm-hmm. made a very strategic and beneficial friendship for some type of reason. And if y'all wanted everybody to know about it, we all would have known sooner than this news cycle. So I think that alone speaks in itself. I mean, even if you're thinking from a pragmatic point of view, I mean, if you disclose it, if you get ahead of it, then you eliminate a lot of the problem right there. I mean, I'm not sure how much Harlan has had to disclose, but I mean, if it's really on Clarence Thomas, and then again, he should have been gotten in front of that. I mean, and if you're trying to do something nice for somebody and it's on the up and up, then there should really be nothing to hide. I feel like I, I don't know if it's relevant, but I, I on a lark, I looked up and because I didn't know the answer. Supreme Court justices get paid if you're the chief. I think it's two seventy seven. And if you're the uh, an associate, it's two sixty five. Um, that's good money, but that is not great money mm-hmm. you know, by sort of <laughs> US, to, by U.S. leader power standards, you know, uh, you know, his wife may make significantly more or whatever. But the president, you know, makes what, four hundred um, and you're living in D.C. It's not cheap. Um, so I wonder how much of this is relevant to the issue of just how much money does he make? And Harlan's like, this is nothing to me here. You know, I got gold nuggets falling out of my ears every day. You just take them fine, whatever, buy the house. I don't care. That didn't even cover my interest from the last hour, you know? So what does it matter to him if he can help a friend? Well, this is something that people have been debating a little bit. You know, I mean, many judges believe their salaries should be increased because of what they could command on the private market. Uh, I think in other countries, a friend was telling me in Nigeria, they try to pay their public officials far more than would sort of try to render them um, unbribable. It has not proven <laughs> workable. At Even this when point. they need to get out of the country and need our help in investing in. Well, I raised the I raised the question in this way because you may know Senator Wyden has attempted to subpoena Harlan Crow, at least requested information from Harlan Crow concerning the nature of these various gifts. And Harlan Crow has had a very reputable firm, Gibson Dunn, respond and say we're not required to comply with this request. Um, and it sort of gets back to the question of like, well, how would you deal with it? I mean, imagine, I mean. You could imagine just basically that the news media was stirring, but now you've got congressional authorities and other investigative units. Like, what's the right way for Justice Thomas and Harlan Crow to proceed here? At this point, you're definitely hiding something. Like, they're not helping us. You know, the phrase, help me help you. 
If it's really <laughs> easy peasy, it was all just a, a token of love and affection and friendship, then just lay it all out on the table. But if you're going to try to weasel your way through the process, if you're going to say, well, technically, I don't have to tell you, that would be weird. That's like if you were like, Amani, what color shirt do you have on? I was like, you don't need to know. Girl, it's brown. <laughs> but but <laughs> how long shirt? is this list, right? I mean, if he really were to come out and be like, okay, in the last 10 years, here's everything I did for the justice. Maybe it's so jaw-droppingly long <laughs> that that's <laughs> he's done so much. Right. If if the think of your friendships, your normal everyday friendships, how much are you really doing for your friends on a day-to-day? You're there for your friends in their time of need. But if you were to be told how much money you had to give your very best friend in the past year, unless they were going through some crazy turmoil, it's not a long list. Oh, I bought the Chipotle uh the other day. Like it's nothing crazy. So if he has this giant Rolodex of all of these huge and expensive tasks that he's done in the under the guise of friendship. That's a little off. I have some very close best friends and they did buy me some queso when we went to the <laughs> and that's all I can say. It's nothing. Well, how much was that queso? $5. I love that argument. How many bags of chips did you have with it? <laughs> yeah, I think the good debate point, though, is it's not about what our friends would buy one another. It's about what Oprah would buy Gail. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. you got to, like, up it a little bit and say it's not queso quite right. Like, I'm sure Gail got a house or two from Oprah. I don't know it, but I but I bet so. The people who are at the charity auction throwing a hundred thousand, one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars on a trinket that they don't really want just for right. fun's sake, right? That's you know, this is the whale at the casino. That's who we're talking about. I think he views money in a completely different way. Uh, my guess is that Harlan, you uh, views money in a completely different way than we do. So it may just literally mean nothing to him. But Rakeem, it's a pressing analogy. I like the analogy. It makes me think. And uh, always the question. Well, would I have the same attitude if it were Sonia Sotomayor or if it were Katanji Brown Jackson? I'd like to say the answer is yes. We'd have to find yes out if that really is. Yes for me. If you would like to be a part of the debate, email us. The debate at newsweek.com. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. She's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The parting shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 